to a very special television episode of Cinebabble, not because we're on television, but because we are talking about TV series, because we have been watching so many, we couldn't figure out where to squeeze them, so we said, you know what? All in one episode. Uh, I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my delightfully funny uh, amateur circuit comedian friend, Clint. Clint, how's the amateur circuit at comedy going for you? The road's a little rough these days, Ken. It's hard getting back out there. I heard you're touring with Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle. That is not controversial at all. Yeah, it was strange that I was sandwiched between those two. Um, Your material's a little different. I was told I need a controversy, so I'm trying to work on mine. I don't know if I'm going to do Me Too or just go racial or like attack trans people. I don't know. So we'll Well, see. I got to meet Louis C.K. as he was coming out of Clint's dressing room. And (laughs) side note, I went in and Clint was just in the corner crying. I don't know what that was about. But uh, so let's get right into (laughs) Dave. Let's get right into TV. Uh, I I've been watching a few more things than Clint. Uh, most notably, uh, AMC's Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Now, I have been very much enjoying this series. I would recommend it. It's it's an interesting adaptation. Uh, it completely reinvents, uh, especially from the movie that you know. This one takes place with a a black character um, as as Louis. And it starts in the early 1900s in Louisiana. So just from the get-go, the time period, what it's tackling, uh, a very different Louis and Lestat uh, than what you might know from the novel and the movies. I am probably six episodes into this. I think there's only been one episode that I was kind of iffy on. That was episode, I think, five. Uh, But episode six brought me right back on. Clint, you just watched one episode. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of fell away. What is it that either lost you or just wasn't enough to bring you back? Well, it wasn't that I'm not going to come back to it. It's just that in this spooky time of the season, Mm -hmm. I I generally have been just focusing on trying to get in horror movies that I've been wanting to see or, or things that we're going to talk about. Um, so I, I think I will try it again. Um, I think one of my initial things though, that the reason I haven't is I do have a hard time with like vampire stories when they're painted as these romantic, like when you're going back to the straight, like, like Dracula or something, Mm -hmm. I'm not as interested in him as this romantic character. Um, I, I am more have been like recent tellings of vampire stories where they're in like they are a monster and they're more dangerous um more animalistic more animalistic that has been more interesting to me like i i'd say out of those classic horror monsters vampires up until this point were my least favorite um so that's one reason i might not have like grabbed onto it as much as you have but i will say that with the first episode like you had watched it and you're like, hey, check this out. Let, let, let me know if I'm crazy for thinking this is good. And I did recognize the quality of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the actors were good. And I think they did do a good job of, like, talking about um, having commentary about, like, uh, racial um, injustice of the time yeah. and yeah. Um, just kind of modernizing it and making, like, 
the gorier it, when it needed to be. I don't know. It, it was it was well done. I, yeah. It's just I need to dive deeper into okay. it. Yeah. Once I once you get watching it, I'm curious what you think because it that's one. It it doesn't strike me as much as romantic as it strikes me as here are these eternal beings that have different responses to loneliness. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like, you know, in the Lestat character, he has shoved away so much of his humanity. But the one thing he can't seem to shove away is his need for companionship. Mm. But he's not actually looking for companionship. And what's really interesting as the series goes along is they've really played up uh, kind of the angle of him as an abusive partner. Mm-hmm. And they're commenting on a lot of, of deeper, more universal subjects than just here are these vampires. Yeah. And it's it's a romanticized telling. I They definitely stick to that the first two episodes. Okay. But then it really starts to drift from that. But that's in my mind. I'm curious if you have that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what I feeling. was going off the first episode. Yeah. It was just, I wasn't sure how much it was sticking to as the... The relationship between these two characters, if it, I don't know, that was the main crux of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. it's it it plays a lot with different things, and I I think it it is not afraid to follow tangents that the movie and the novel maybe mentioned but never actually yeah followed, and it doesn't feel like they're rushing through. I I get the sense that the I don't know how much you remember the plot of the movie. Uh, I have not seen it. You've not seen it. No, I have, but it's been like 20 years. Okay. (laughs) It's, it it feels like the natural ending of the first season is going to be kind of Louis and Claudia's separation from Lestat. Uh And so Lestat is kind of the, the villain, if you will, of the first season. And then I bet you anything, they go to Europe and the second season is them and the other vampires they encounter. Okay. Then probably Lestat back at the end in season three is is back to Louis and Lestat, mm-hmm. but not sure of any of that. It just feels like pacing wise where yeah, they're yeah. going. Um, the other series I've been watching is Patient on FX, and that has Steve Carell oh, right. and Dom Hall Gleason. Have you checked it out at all? No, I have not okay. yet. It's about to air its finale, and it's a limited series, so uh-huh. it's not going to have a second season. But it airs its finale tonight, and so uh, you'll be able to. It's it's going to be a quick binge. Episodes yeah. are maybe twenty three minutes because mm-hmm. it was already a half an hour show with commercials, so it it should be a quick watch. Um, still, some hit or miss elements for me, but overall, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, um, just not entirely sure everything in it works. Mm-hmm. But you know, worth watching. So let's uh, let's dive right into kind of our our main buffet. I want to start with uh, Andor. Uh, Andor just had its seventh episode, and uh, read a little bit about Andor and the way it's tracking is one through three was kind of a story block. Four through six was a story block. Seven is going to be a little bit of a standalone. Uh-huh. Then eight, nine, and ten is another three episode story block, and then it's going to end with a two parter. Story oh, block nice. of eleven and twelve, uh-huh. and so this this last episode is kind of a kind of a crux uh, point, and it's something where I want to yet again. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but or maybe I'm, it's a turning point. I hope not, because I'm ready to pen another love letter to this thing. Let's write it up. All right. So, Clint, I already know how I felt about this episode. 
I toured this episode. I can get into details in a little bit, but I am nervously anticipating because it is a different episode. What'd you think of Andor episode seven? This one lost me, Ken. No. Oh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you heard my audible jaw drop. (laughs) My jaw, literally, I was like, this was not expected in my mind. Uh, (laughs) Everything I told you previously was a lie, and I actually hated this. Oh, man. Um, No, man. I love this more every single episode as it just, like, slowly and, like, very, like, calmly paints this world in a way, like through just small details, in a way that you would never, you haven't seen it before. And it's all like the stuff that I wanted to see. And it makes the world of Star Wars real, but not in this way. Like it's, um, you know, people complain about like the latest Batman and like, it doesn't make sense. Like when you're trying to paint it as this, um, pure and pure reality, like true reality, like it kind of makes it like fall apart. I mean, that's not what I thought I like with Batman, but like in this, I feel like it's not trying to do that thing where it's bringing it in, like make it like, oh, this is gritty and real. Yeah. yeah. It's like just trying to show you the details of the Star Wars Wars world and like make it feel um, like natural and like some like it makes sense like that yeah. makes the people like the characters feel three-dimensional yeah and yeah. and it's always through these little details just like characters sitting down having breakfast yeah. or these like conversations in settings that we've not been shown before in the Star Wars world yeah um, this this yeah. is the first time other than I think I had a little bit of a nostalgic tear when Carrie Fisher showed up on screen uh, or when Luke and, and uh, Leia have their sort of reunion in Last Jedi, uh-huh. I got teary-eyed in the theater, but that was because Carrie Fisher had passed away. Mm. And it was just a very sweet moment that meant something different after one of these actors had passed away. Uh-huh. But otherwise, Star Wars has never made me cry. This episode, I actually teared up. When Cassian's talking to his his adopted mom, yeah, yeah, and they're talking about, he's like, I, I, I can't do that. I'll just always worry about you. And she starts to tear up, and she mm-hmm. says, "That's just love, right?" Oh yeah, my yeah. goodness, that I I could not believe. I know, yeah, that, was... that this series has brought me to the point where I am so emotionally invested in these characters that I could feel tears dancing at the the edge of my eyes. It was just such a beautiful moment between these two characters who really we've only seen connect maybe four scenes, mm-hmm. but there's so much power in the characterization of this show that it just allows for these moments where you feel these very deep feelings. Um, and, and this this episode had a bunch of that, not that yeah. same kind of emotion, but yeah, different yeah. emotion. And that the actors are so good oh, at like goodness, portraying yeah. those moments and yeah. and and picking them like you like you said they're they haven't been that many scenes where they're together, but they are like so precisely pick the moments to represent their relationship yeah. and what it like each other means to them. That yeah. when you get to a scene like that, it has power. Like yeah. you're given at the earlier episodes that like she rescued him and yeah. like has um raised him as her own and um 
Well, there's there's a real depth to the writing in yeah. that scene mm-hmm. where she's staying because she's been inspired by this rebel act. Yeah. And unbeknownst to her, he's one of the few survivors of that rebel act. Yeah. And he didn't do it for noble reasons. Right. But the very thing that that has inspired her to stay is the thing he wants to run away for. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. Yeah. And he knows that, but he can't tell her that. Mm-hmm. And it it just all of those things are are working on your brain at the same time as you're watching this, and it's the perfect version of you know more than one of the characters, right? And also like in the like that scene and the other scenes, like they do a, such a great job of shining more light on like on his his character as this man who's not a noble character yet. Yeah. He hasn't found his way yet. He in this like this um robbery and everything, he didn't find that he is this rebel who is fighting for a, a noble cause. He's still the like kind of scoundrel yeah. who is just trying to kind of look out for himself. And they're laying enough of they're they're laying enough breadcrumbs. Yeah. That he is that person. He only took his fee. He yeah. could have been off with that right. entire shipment of millions. Yeah. And but he only chose his fee. So they haven't gone so far into the scoundrel lane that you that they're gonna have to do a ton of work. No, no, no. To shift his character around. Yeah, I it's just that, that he's so much. He's self-serving and trying to just yeah. see like keep himself safe and look after himself. Yeah. I and I I really appreciate that they've taken their time with that in that he didn't have this magical turning point yet, that um, he still hasn't found his way to the cause yet. And I think it's going to give the moment when he's like, like, I feel like even in that moment, he's seeing how much she's inspired that not that necessarily he's inspired, but he's kind of in awe that, that, um, the thing that he just took uh, a part of is having that effect. In, it's in recontextualizing this, yeah. it in his mind right in front of us. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to two of the other characters that are just Stellan Skarsgård's mm-hmm. Luthen. And uh, I'm not sure the actress's name, but uh, the actress who plays Mon Mothma. Yep. I would have never thought I would care this much about Mon Mothma and the political end of the Star Wars universe. But from the scene where she comes and she's completely scared uh, talking to Luthen, and Luthen's jazzed. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care that they lost people. He doesn't care that people are going to suffer because it's for the greater good. And she is, just like any senator would be, she's conflicted between the greater good and the little people. Mm -hmm. And that dynamic is so rich, and there's so much they can do with it. And you simultaneously agree with and are rooting for both of those characters, yeah. even though they're approaching the idea of rebellion in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And then by the time she goes and it's the political party and she's talking to her childhood friend, yeah. that scene is is just genius. The yeah. way that it, it's – you slowly get the sense that they're on the same side, but it's still this game of cat and mouse mm-hmm. with information and safety and how much can I trust you and how much right. can you trust me – they're they're doing so much with those two characters, and both of those actors are just, I mean, just destroying it. Mm-hmm. They are bringing 
their absolute A game. Watching Stellan Skarsgård yeah. just turn and shift into his uh-huh. happy, jovial grin and uh-huh. then turn back and he's this ruthless rebel leader. Mm-hmm. And watching her, her jaw shaking, she's so scared talking to them, but then she has to, you know, perk back up to go to the car and to go to this dinner uh, soiree or whatever it is. Yeah, she like... It got into, like, being on this rebel side for noble reasons. Like she, yeah. but she still like kind of sees her possibly like this political avenue that the loss of life is not a necessity, and like I, her slowly like coming to that this that's like kind of inevitable. Yeah. Like the the forces that they're up against are not giving them room for diplomacy in yeah. this way. And also, yeah, that scene where she's at the dinner party that they're throwing, like if this wasn't the Star Wars world yeah. at all. If this was a scene from Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or something where they're trying to be very serious with their politics. Yeah. If this would be a great like um, spy political yeah. thriller movie or show yeah like um what was it, the Americans? the americans yeah like if it, it was like a scene out of that and it, yeah. it's so well executed that in that moment like i'm forgetting that oh we are in the star wars world um but even they're though, still saying so true to the star wars world i read yeah. a, an interview with one of the writers and they were talking about they based the the groundwork for the mon mothma character on one line she only shows up in Return of the Jedi uh-huh. in the original films, and she's at one briefing. And but they've they've based so much of her character on this line that she delivers the original actress in Return of the Jedi of many Bothans died to get us this information. Yeah, and yeah. she says it so hauntingly, mm-hmm. and you can tell it really makes her sad. And she's the only one in the room that's thinking about these Bothans. Yeah. Even though she recognizes that that was worth the cost of what they're able to do with the information they got. Yeah. And they based her entire character on that. And so even though it's this this really broad expansion of that character, it still holds true to oh, yeah. I, where it's going to go. I didn't mean it in that way. I just mean I was so invested in the stakes of the conversation and how much she could reveal. And is she going yeah. to say the, the unsayable thing and reveal what she's a part of. Especially to, in public. In public to her her friend who, like, if he reacts bad, he could just, like, out her right now yeah. to all these people who have power to do something about it. Yeah. And so that's what I mean as far as, like, in that moment I'm forgetting about yeah. this is just the Star Wars world. It feels like a very real moment, yeah. a very real, like, like this, this game that she's a part of is very dangerous. Yeah. But also kind of stepping back on that too is like i also felt in that that scene like it was the better version of the casino planet scene oh yeah where it's this the rich gathered together um at this event and it's very glitzy and like adorned with gold and it's a, a very beautiful setting and um they're the high society of this of this world but it feels like it belongs. It doesn't yeah. feel cartoonish and like for some reason 1930s like casino planet. Like it's um it 
it made it makes sense and um it and it's like it's showing another part of the star wars galaxy yep. and uh in a very um interesting way i i, yeah. I love like that's a it's a small scene and um it's not flashy in the way of like um an action scene or anything oh. it's it's a real scene and uh man it was so good well and that flashlessness a flashlessness yeah uh extends to the imperial scenes because you've got yeah. kyle solar cyril mm-hmm. just in this brazil like oh yeah job interview ending in a, a cubicle desk job mm-hmm. uh which how in the world is that storyline and that character still so compelling yeah because nothing of note to the main plot is happening to him. Yeah. He's just getting more and more and more minimalized. You know, he's going to be something special, but he just keeps getting marginalized. And yet every time he pops up on screen, right. I'm completely invested. And then uh, Denise goes, Deidre, mm-hmm. who is the Imperial officer. Yep. I should not be rooting for her. She's yeah. actively working to catch these rebels. Mm-hmm. Why am I so invested in her winning in these Imperial showdown, boardroom showdowns at that. They're not even exciting showdowns in a traditional sense. But I'm completely on board for her. I I loved watching her turn the tables and what's essentially just a staff meeting. Yeah. Again, neither of these storylines should be compelling or exciting. And, And ultimately, it would be easy to get to the end of this episode and say, well, nothing really happened. From a traditional sense, but so much happens in mm-hmm. this episode. It's really an episode where it feels like a reconfiguration of the characters that we've all gotten to know based on the events of the first six episodes. Yeah. And I love that somebody in the writer's room was like, you know what? Let's just take an episode and just focus on our characters. Mm-hmm. There's no movement of plot. There is just a let's see how they react to all the plot that's happened because not only does it make the plot feel bigger and more significant, but it gives you time to sit and marinate with what's going to come next. It's a necessary episode in yeah. like it's resetting after the events that we've gone through. Yeah. It's something like a, an episode of like breaking bad would do Yeah, where like your characters have just gone through something and now it's like Jesse and yeah. like re like at home, just trying to uh, comprehend like something that yeah. he just went through. It's it's just it gives more. Um, you like that's what would happen in real life. You yeah. have to comprehend the uh, events of the previous day and maybe yeah. figure out what your next move is. It's yeah. it's yeah. I think it's gonna definitely. Um, just give more to the the episodes to come. Mm. This also has, um, like we're talking about just small things and like showing kind of corners of the Star Wars world that haven't been shown before in just little character moments or just like settings that are, you may have not have seen. The Miami Beach planet. That's what I was just going <laughs> to, that's what I was going to say. The Florida, yep. the Florida planet. Love it. And it it felt like the better version of, um, what's his name, um, uh, who does like Elysium and everything. Oh, um, Bloomcamp. Yeah, yeah, Bloomcamp. It felt like the better version of what he always tries to yeah. do. Like, it feels very real. 
But then there's like out of the corner of your eye, you're seeing like very Star Wars characters react, like interacting on this beach planet. Floating cruise liner way off in the distance. It's so good. And it's, and I, and I love that that's where he decides to go. That's his version of, I made it, mom. I made it. (laughs) <laughs> or this is where I can hide out and yeah. it'll be like pleasant. Yeah. Like, because yeah. that's what he was saying. Let's go somewhere warm. Yeah. And <laughs> I love that. It's like this Miami Beach, Florida, like planet. It's so funny. And like the, the like very has a lot of commentary on yeah. like these kind of like far right, like people um, congregating there. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's safe to say you're still in love with Andor. Oh, yeah. My affection grows daily for this show. I just, we're we're in the home stretch now. There's five episodes left. But I'm, I'm so happy so that excited. it wasn't like eight episodes. Yeah. They let it have the time it needs yeah. to tell the story. And the episodes are longer like than probably, I, th- I think, a lot of the... Um, you know, Mandalorian episodes, which always felt crammed in. Yeah. I would love to see the budget on this series versus The Mandalorian, a yeah. season of The Mandalorian, because this feels more expensive, I but bet I it's bet not. it's significantly less. Yeah. Um, it, Even it with just, the real settings and stuff, yeah. that's probably cheaper. In it's got to be. It's got to be. Or it's the same budget, and it just allows them to yeah. have more, you know, top-tier actors and more yeah. parts. Because this really does have a lot of characters yeah. that you could argue any one of these characters are uh, potentially the main character after Cassian, obviously. Uh-huh. The show's named after him. But, it, you know, a lot of these other characters, they're they're getting really good actors. And even the small parts, they're getting really good character actors for those parts. Well, it's a lot of British actors yeah. who, like, I've recognized from other, like, yeah. just, like, comedic things, too. And, it, and they're great actors, but, like, um, over here, they feel like new actors. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's fantastic. Love it. So uh, let's get to the meat of our episode. Uh, You can always find us at www.cinebabblecast.com, or you can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. Send us some questions. Send us some feedback. Uh, I've got a bunch piling up. We're probably just going to have to do a feedback bonus episode at some point because we got a lot of fun uh, and sometimes funny questions to go through. Um, But let's get started. Uh, We're going to talk about, first up, uh, the Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, mm-hmm. uh, which just finished its first season. And we're going to kind of dovetail right into talking about House of the Dragon after that. So we can do a little compare and contrast because uh, I'm curious. I'm pretty sure I know where Clint's going to fall as far as which series is more successful. I don't think I've actually decided which series is more successful in my mind yet. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear your argument and then see what argument comes out of my mouth. Um But then we're going to talk about She-Hawk, Attorney at Law, which is an MCU series that was on Disney+. And uh, we'll see if anything else pops into our mind that we we happen to remember we've been watching. But I think we're getting everything covered. Mm -hmm. So let's start with The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the (laughs) billion-dollar series from Amazon that Jeff Bezos, he said, you know what, I'm I'm sowing so much evil into this world. What if I just did one good thing? <laughs> you got to balance those scales. One good thing. You got to balance yeah. those scales. Uh, and so thus has come The Rings of Power. The Rings of Power has been a really controversial show. It has four camps of fans and non-fans. It has 
book readers that absolutely hate how much it is just bastardizing Tolkien. You have book readers that respect it for kind of uh, the way it's adapting an otherwise unfilmable series of events into a cohesive story. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have non-book readers who hate it because they don't like uh, certain aspects of the writing or or different things like that. And then you have non-book readers that just absolutely love this thing. They have been waiting for a real quality high fantasy series. Um, and, and it's really broken the internet with all these people <laughs> arguing. Uh, so The Rings of Power, if you're not familiar, uh, we're going to be spoiling because uh, we're going to be talking about everything about it. But it basically has at its center Gladriel. And uh, from there, it has a series of elven characters, a series of dwarven characters, and a series of human characters, and a lot of different plots. Oh, and Harfoots, which are mm-hmm. kind of proto-hobbits. Yeah. Uh, and it has these, these five storylines running in tandem. And, and it's all about where Sauron and is Middle-earth safe? After this long war with Morgoth, who was Sauron's kind of commander, is Middle-earth safe or is Sauron still out there? Is there still danger? Mm -hmm. And it's a series that has a lot of mysteries and a lot of kind of trails to follow, a lot of characters to love and hate. Uh, Clint, first, let's just start non-spoilerly, spoilery. Based on the finale, yeah. what is your impression of the entire first season? You know, leaning on that finale is kind of the the judgment point as to how well this season executed what it was going for. I think it was super successful. I honestly really liked this series a lot. I, I, I'm not a. I didn't. I've never read the books. I enjoy the um, original, the Peter Jackson version of mm-hmm. the of the Lord of the Rings. Um, I honestly only saw the first two Hobbit movies. I, That's wise. Yeah, I never watched <laughs> the last one. Um, so I, I'd say I'm a casual fan of this. I, I mm-hmm. did love the movies, and I was always excited for those. I would buy the um, the special editions mm-hmm. and just comb through all these special effects stuff. That was always super fascinating to me. Um, but going in this, like I said before, like I didn't have much hope for it. Yeah. And I couldn't make it out from the trailers if it was going to be good or bad. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised jumping into it that it actually looks gorgeous. Yeah. They were giving like each different race of characters, like the um, time they needed to develop their mm-hmm. storylines. Like from the get-go, I was invested in every single storyline. And so I think by the end, it was successful because I feel like it gave every group of characters the um, time to tell their specific like tale, their their storyline their um, uh, that they needed by the end and it was successful in that way for me. And I was actually like really pleasantly surprised with all the mystery stuff that they had um set up from the beginning and it surprised me legitimately legitimately and it um like actually reinforced some things I had thought from the beginning but in surprising ways yeah. and did interesting things with it. And so I, by the end I was very happy with it. So you're in that category four, non-book reader, yeah. but really enjoyed the series. I think I'm in category two because I've read these books. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I combed through all these things in the years after college. Um, and I really also love the series. I, I respect how it's taken thousands of years of story. Yeah. And its writers have found a way to not perfectly, but I think really, really well condense it into kind of a lot of things happening at one time. So you get a sense of how all of these events interact with each other. Yeah. And I don't think you could do that by filming it the way that in any way that the book's presented uh-huh. because you wouldn't be able to follow it. Uh, it. It doesn't speak the language of movies and TV. Yeah, yeah. It speaks the language of a history book, which uh-huh. is the way it was written. It was written like you're reading through these histories. And I think they've done a really w- a good job of being able to balance that. I love the cast and mm-hmm. the actors for for almost almost 100%. There might be one or two that are that are a little shaky to me, but none of the main characters. Yeah. Just a couple of side characters here or there. Um and I think the biggest struggle I had which certainly didn't ruin it, but is what I want to talk about. I I had the biggest struggle with the human characters mm. and getting invested in their storylines. But by the finale, I really really got into Ellen Deal and the the queen. Yeah, yeah. Their yeah. story. I felt like that had really come to a, a cool place. And that's kind of the point I want to make. It's we've never, I, I think once with the Watchmen show, we did a weekly uh-huh. kind of episode analysis of Watchmen as it was going. Uh, that worked, I think, in large part because we really enjoyed that show. Yeah. But I think one of the downsides to weekly coverage of a show, which is what you get with a lot of podcasts and a lot of articles uh-huh. and breakdowns, is that you are judging things based on the information you have. Right. As opposed to patiently awaiting to see what the writers are going to do next. Mm-hmm. And just because you have a complaint this week, I think if you have an episode or two episodes or three episodes or three articles – you begin to overemphasize a criticism that's really based on you not knowing where the writers are going. Right. By the end of this season, especially with the mystery elements, which a lot of people were complaining about, I I thought, particularly with the two main uh, mysteries, and let's move into spoilers here, uh, the identity of Sauron yep. and who the heck the stranger is, mm-hmm. I was... Not just pleasantly surprised by the reveals. I thought they were done expertly. Yeah. Um, the finale opens with a kind of a bait and switch where you're told and I the saw stranger. It as that. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt it was a bait yeah. and switch. It's too easy. Yeah. It's at the beginning of the episode, and they're saying, Oh, you're Sauron. Yeah. And I immediately knew he wasn't. Yeah. But I loved that that was the move mm-hmm. because then it pulls your attention, if you don't speak the language of TV, it right. pulls your attention to him. It was a magic trick. It was a magic trick. Yeah. And it allows your actual Sauron to move about in ways that unless you know keywords he's saying, you don't even realize what's happening. Right. Until you get kind of the double down. And they paired the double down of who is Sauron with who the stranger really is mm-hmm. simultaneously. And yeah. it was so well done. Mm-hmm. I thought the finale was one of the best episodes of the season. Yeah. Um, where were you on the finale compared to other episodes? Um, I Honestly, I enjoyed all of it pretty equally. Yeah. Like I was just on board every week with it. Um, so I think... There was it. What didn't let me down in any way? Like there wasn't. Like honestly, I think if they had revealed 
the stranger was Sauron, I I might have been off the show. Because it, for me, just the show from the beginning, like set up that he was a wizard character. Yeah. And I think if they had betrayed that, um, and or if they they would have had to have done something like very severe to make me fall in line with believing that he was that character. So I was like, I, I knew from the beginning of that episode that, okay, this is a bait and switch, Mm -hmm. but I had a lot of like anxiety kind of that, like, wait, are they like, are they okay? They're, Maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But honestly, I think it was it was pretty on par with the rest of the series. Like I think it had the revelations in it were um kind of above and beyond some of the other episodes. But yeah. it kind of goes back to what we were saying with um Andor, like the the last episode of Andor, like I feel like all of the the quieter episodes we're always still propelling it forward yeah. character wise or um mm. setting or just getting uh, getting us into place for what was to come next yeah. so i i was always on board with it now did you know that these are relatively rookie showrunners running this thing i know one of them or, or somebody who i was helping direct some of the episodes did that movie the orphanage mm-hmm. so that yeah. like that kind of the the yeah. actual head writers and showrunners they've done a little bit of TV work but they this is the first show oh. that they've run and they got hired specifically because of their pitch to Amazon mm. uh, there were a lot of pitches or not to Amazon to the Tolkien estate there were a lot of pitches and they went with this one even though they are relatively hmm. inexperienced and that's really intriguing to me yeah. because uh, if if they are rookie showrunners uh, unless they're just arrogant and don't want to be better at their craft, I can't imagine that season two isn't going to be even better. I would have never known that this was inexperienced showrunners. Yeah, yeah. Based on what I I felt like was a strong season. I've read all the arguments and heard all the arguments as to what didn't work. It just, it clicked with me. And I, I never fell off and I never had a problem with it. Um, I, I didn't either. I mean, I cared about all of the characters, honestly, mm. all the different groups. Honestly, like what you were saying, you didn't care about the the human characters at all. But I, for me, I felt like that was a necessity to the series that yeah. the, the men have like, the in the, the island of men have like separated themselves. Yeah. So they're kind of weary of outsiders and and the outsiders know that they've kind of separated themselves. So, they so don't, they're harder to get to know. They're harder to get to know. That's and, a really good point. And also like the men who they do come in contact with were followers of this evil <laughs> that yeah, was Morgoth. Uh, Morgoth. Um, so they're weary of them too. That's like, I mean, the main elf character yeah. is kind of, you know, he keeps checking in on them to make sure they're not kind of yeah. like back in line with what they were doing before. That's um, a really good point. And I'm curious cause I'm, I'm going to do a rewatch of this season. Yeah. I'm curious if I feel any of that yeah. because by the end I could really see, okay, now I get what you were doing. And uh-huh. even what you just said, that gives me another layer to that. And so I don't think it will bother me. Yeah much like it did. And I like what they're setting up. I like that you get the sense of, okay, um, you know, here are the Elven Rings. 
Uh, and this is a five-season show. So I bet you one season's going to be the Dwarven rings. One season's going to be him tricking the men and and the, mm-hmm. the kings of men getting their rings. A season of him making the ring of power and then, you know, a, a wrap-up season uh-huh. that leads up to the, basically the beginning of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. where it gives you the backstory of how he loses the ring. Um but I'm just I'm I'm jazzed for it, and I agree with you and the point you've been making all along. This is high fantasy, and we don't get high yeah. quality high fantasy exactly. in TV ever. You barely get it in movies. I know everything is about let's make this gritty and let's make this more real and let's bring this down to a level where audiences will see things that are familiar to them. Mm-hmm. And this is just, no, you know, these stories have been working for centuries. Right. Why Not Tolkien stories, but I mean In high the, fantasy yeah, right. stories. Yeah. Why would that suddenly be different? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think maybe a lot of the people who are having a hard time with this series are missing that there is something comforting, like comfort food, to just having characters that are archetypes and just having plot lines that are archetypes. And it's okay if good is good and bad is bad and gray is gray. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But I I feel like even in those archetypes and stuff and like sticking, not, it's not like to a formula, but it's like they do a really or did a really good job with the characters in making them feel three-dimensional yeah. and like you care about them yeah. uh, in their journey, like especially like the, the Harfoots and I stuff. the Harfoots. Like, and that's the element I thought I would not like mm-hmm. because generally I like the four main Hobbits in Lord of the Rings and I like Bilbo and the Hobbit trilogy, but I don't like the Hobbits. I find Hobbits culture in general annoying. Oh. <laughs> but I felt like they tapped into that. The Harfoots as a culture are annoying and they have shortfalls. But here are the the diamonds in the rough yeah. that, that want to break away from that isolationism. And Well, I think it like even like if they're annoying, like I, I like that there's this group of um characters who are just like kind of lazily living life and it's more yeah. just about like day to day and it's not this like grab for power or like building these kingdoms it's just yeah. like the there's like they're nomadic this nomadic group and i like that there's a lightness to that those characters and i never feel like it goes into like it goes into silliness, but not like over cartoony it goofiness. It doesn't feel out of place. No, no, no. No, it feels light yeah. for the series, but it's it's meant to. And it always yep. has, here's this this light little culture that has all this darkness around it. Yeah. Which makes total sense with who they are as a people. Yeah. I, you know, I really was impressed. Not only does the finale deliver all the story beats and a lot of mystery answers. I was really pleased with that. I'm glad they didn't hold that off for multiple seasons. There's one or two they've kept for next season. But even that, you get kind of the direction it's going. But the big stuff they answered. And I I appreciate that. Give me more mysteries next season, but wrap them up. Um, I loved the wizard fight just from a pure visceral level. I love a good wizard fight. And from the shape-shifting effects... Yep. To uh, just hurling fire at each other and catching fire. And I was so into that wizard fight. But then you get a completely different wizard fight, essentially, between Galadriel oh, and yeah. Sauron. Yeah. But that scene. Like this mental, like. 
it, it there's such this buildup to them being equals. Okay, yeah. they're going to go toe-to-toe. And she swings her dagger at him, and he just blocks it. Mm-hmm. And in that block, you know, oh, this is a much more powerful being yep. than Galadriel. And then he goes into her mind and starts taking her through memories, and he's talking her through that, and it's reflections in the water. And mm-hmm. that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, not just from the effects, but just... That whole sequence I know. Yeah. was incredible to the point, you know, I'm left wondering, does he actually have a thing for her or is this just manipulation? Well, well that's – And yeah. it's, it's just, well, if she went for it, cool, I've got an ally. If she doesn't, no big deal. I'll just let her drown. Right. He doesn't actually have any affection for her no, or I, want I, a queen. I know. It's it's kind of a necessity thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but – I wanted to go back to to the first wizard fight mm-hmm. and something that I had got the feeling of earlier when they kind of introduced these characters, but this like the kind of coven of witch characters. Mm-hmm. Like, was it to you too? Like they they're the ring wraiths now? That's that's what it seems to be saying. But the only problem is in the story, it's so clearly the ring wraiths are the nine kings. Oh, right. They get the rings. Yeah. So I feel like they're another proto. Like a proto ring wraith. Proto wraiths. Right. Yeah. They're not the ring right, wraiths. Right. From but like the kings, they, they become wraithy. But they are yeah, wraiths. Yeah. Yeah. They've just taken human form. Right. I also didn't get the sense that he exactly destroyed them at the end. No, no, no. Like they, uh, they felt a lot like, of people think when they burst into moths, he turned them into moths and they're dead. Not I, I don't think I that's felt what like it was they saying. went to another realm, like yeah. the spirit realm of I some thought sort. he sapped their physical energy yeah. and they'll like you their know. physical form became the moss yeah. and their spiritual became these like, yeah. yeah. But I going in like the the big spoiler of it is I I really love that turn in the reveal of Sauron. Yeah. And and from little what we've talked, we had talked like kind of off mic about yeah. it and how Sauron can take the form of a like trusted person yeah. or something that's close to you and like make you like believe that they're on he's on your side or whatever. I thought that was much more powerful than if the the stranger had been. Yeah. Because it was so much more hidden and yeah. so much more but like you believed this character. And I love those moments where she's like He's saying, I told you from the beginning who I was, yeah. and you tricked yourself into yeah. believing that I was this good person. And like, and I, those little rabbit trails throughout the whole season were that, that was so well done. Well, and that's why I'm really interested in going back through the season yeah. to see how well all that holds up. Cause it's, it's, it's easier, I think, to do a, a big surprise and a twist at the end. It's much harder to do a really good surprise and, have everything before that add up where it wasn't just a tacked on twist. Yeah. I, it's something that should have been obvious from the beginning. Yeah. And I, I think they did a really great job of that because even oh. immediately I started like, pe- like thinking about like all the other interactions with him throughout the season. And, and it was, I don't know, that was, I thought, excellently excellent. Yeah. So that brings us to house of the dragon, which also just wrapped up. It's, uh, first season. It also took a story that takes place over a lot of time and condensed it into one functional season. Uh, it did it in a different way. It did it with time jumps instead of bringing all of the elements together like Rings of Power did. Um, but it, 
one of my first impressions of House of the Dragon, especially after the finale, giant spoilers ahead, is this is not a show for people who uh, want a baby. Um, (laughs) Don't, if you are thinking about uh, having a baby or you've ever had trouble having a baby, here, you know, maybe be careful of this show. Or maybe just skip the incest. Or, or maybe. Yeah. Incest, you know, might produce... Might be problematic for a baby. Misshapen stillborns. Yeah. Uh, so, Clint, I know we've already talked about our feelings on House of the Dragon. I'm much more of a House of the Dragon fan. I was much more of a Game of Thrones fan. For you, you're much more high fantasy. How did you feel about the last two episodes? Uh, episode 9 was kind of all focused on the greens, uh, Alicent and her brood, and what happens after Viserys dies as king... And then this finale was all focused on the the Blacks and the Targaryens under Rhaenyra and what happens on their end of things after Viserys has died. What do you think kind of of this, this last two episodes? Did it win you a little more? Or are you still like, meh? Can I say first off the bat that I, I honestly can't remember anybody's name in this show. <laughs> so I might be saying a lot of like her. Okay. You, you maybe okay. can fill in the gaps okay. for what I'm trying to talk about. One of the great ways to do it is the greens and the blacks. Yes. That's how the internet has determined yeah. it. The greens are, you know, Alicent, the most people think evil queen, but yeah. some people love the greens and are rooting for the greens. Those people are wrong. Well, so that's that's a good place to start. Are, are you team green or team black? Team black. Team black. The show leads you to be team black, but there's a lot of team green fans out there. Hmm. Well, anyway, so the... <laughs> I love how you skip right past the internet. Uh, anyway, I don't. I, I I don't pay attention to the internet. Like I <laughs> honestly get what I my thoughts on it. I yeah. don't scour Reddit or anything yeah. for other people's thoughts yeah. on this. Um, so the second half of this season won me over more than I did ha- uh, that I was feeling about the first. Once half. all the adult actors were in place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've progressively been enjoying it more but that's probably not saying a lot like compared to where you are with the show like i'm enjoying it like i i do think the last two episodes have been a lot stronger um i i think after the episode with the boy fight (laughs) like the boy fight (laughs) fight the boy fight episode was my high point of the season. Okay. Just watching kids beat each other and then <laughs> taking an cut eye. out an eye. And... Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it was just funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I, the, I've been enjoying it more throughout the season. Um, I still have problems with it, but I think this last episode probably was the strongest for me. Okay. I am. See, I'm, I'm, very different because my wife and I are, w- are literally watching the clock <laughs> on Sunday nights, waiting for nine zero zero. Yeah. Um, and last night I think we were a minute late. We got to it at nine oh one because she was finishing an email. We love this series, uh, and and primarily it's because it I think has done a really good job tug of warring between where not your loyalties lie because I'm pretty fiercely Team Black, Team yeah. Rhaenyra. But um, it it does interesting things. Uh, in episode nine, it really, when Alicent first wakes up and hears that Viserys is dead, she cries. She cries for real. Hmm. And that was a moment of 
sympathy for her when you find that her advisor is essentially uh, sexually exploiting her. That was really sad to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, super weird, super gross, could have done without it, but it made me <sighs> feel for her. But I don't understand that scene, though. I don't understand why he had the power to do that. She's the queen. I think he's been... So somebody on YouTube, uh, forgive me, this isn't my observation, but somebody on YouTube pointed out that early on when they're meeting, uh, she just casually happens to remove her socks. And that's where it starts Hmm. without her realizing it. And so he has basically used information and her unwillingness to do murder or to actually be a threat to him to take advantage of her. And he's very much like a little finger character who is just manipulating the situation to his will. Yeah, but um, he's also want what he wants, I feel like, is more than what she wants. Yes. Yeah. I, I also kind of feel like he's a veiled sociopath. I don't know that he wants anything specific right, yeah. other than he just enjoys yeah. – being an awful human. Yeah. Um, but but that made me feel for her. Even this last episode, after the very ending, where uh, you know, a character gets killed, uh, Amond, who's responsible for the killing, I love that they played that because everything up until this point is is Amond is the bullied kid that now is taller and stronger and better, and he's ready to kill everybody. But that last shot tells you, no, he was. He was trying to essentially revenge bully for bully, but he was not wanting to actually kill somebody. And I love that little detail. That even made me a little like, okay, I can see where, um, you know, that that deserves some sympathy. The Team Green people seem to come from the direction of uh, we're rooting for Team Green because if we're really going by the standards of this world, then Rhaenyra is not to be rooted for because. She cheated on her husband. She has kids that aren't, you know, supposed to be there. She's trying to put them on the throne. She's the villain. Um, so I I get that, but I just feel like the show is so, like, you love Rhaenyra, right? We're all for Rhaenyra. Damon's a little weird off and on. And, oh, what was that? Were he, did he just choke Rhaenyra? That was weird. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Damon. But Rhaenyra, you're just like, I like this lady. I like her kids. Well, the only reason I'm black is because she was the chosen queen. Yeah. She yeah. was the one he picked. Yeah. And that's really, I honestly don't care. I don't like any of the characters. Yeah. Like, I really don't. Yeah. Um, Even Rhaenyra, really. I mean, probably for the reasons that, like, like they're, they're saying. Yeah. But, like, she, I, I mean, I probably like her the most. Yeah. But um, I was so confused in the episode nine um with oh, what's his name <laughs> i told you the the boy who dad. oh amond the boy or, excuse me the Aegon. one who is given the throne hiding under the table hiding the under altar the... no they're, no no they're both searching for Aegon the whole time so they can make him oh king, yes yes and he's hiding under the altar i was so confused i thought he was like a younger brother uh, because I, he just does not, the actor does not read as the older brother to me. Gotcha. And like, even when they showed him earlier, I thought, wait, I, I had thought in my head, I thought there were three brothers, but mm-hmm. then I remembered, oh wait, there was a daughter. And so this was after the fact. 
So I was just like, why are they looking for this kid? Because yeah. I didn't know he was the heir, the, the, yeah. the, the one that they had um, said that who was going to take over the throne. So I was just confused. So you just have name and hair color blindness where it yes, just gets and confusing. Everyone is and stupid it doesn't help that it's hair. like Aegon, Aemond, yeah. Damon, and then there's like Renice, Rhaenyra, Raymond. <laughs> everyone with yeah. their stupid blonde hair. I hate the blonde hair. <sighs> no, I hear you. I I'm I was really impressed with how House of the Dragon constructed its first season. Uh, I know you do have one complaint uh, that I don't think bothered me as much, but we were talking about that beforehand. So might as well talk about uh, CG versus CG, Rings of Power versus House of the Dragon. Uh, Rings of Power is near flawless mm-hmm. on all things FX. Uh, Clint, you want to rant a little about House this of the Dragon? This is my thing. Your show is called House of the Dragons. Dragon. The dragon. There's multiple dragons. I'm just saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying with dragon. There's dragons. But there's multiple. It's right in the title. Yeah. You don't show dragons that often. Right. Right. But when you do show the dragons, they look like garbage a lot. (laughs) Like that, the scene where she like bursts out from the dragon. In episode nine. In episode nine. From the floor. The floor. Yeah. Man, that was a lesson in <laughs> let's hide everything in smoke when yeah. there shouldn't even probably be any smoke. Like he hasn't blown fire yet. Okay, there's some dust from the dirt, but like that's gonna go down in the seconds. Like we're okay, we're gonna hide all the crimes of that warrior just like killed this mob of people. And we but don't they wanna... were just common people, Clint. They don't count. I know, but they didn't even want to show it. They don't count. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> when we show the dragons, <laughs> let's try to make the dragons look a little better. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I thought the rain fight at the end of 10 looked great. But anytime yeah. you put creatures in darkness or a storm. But that's another way better. of hiding hiding yeah. your crimes. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. And anytime someone's riding a dragon, like for some know. reason, it looks like <laughs> like 1960s guy on horseback <laughs> with like the, uh, yeah. the background is out of focus because it's a rear projection or yeah. something. I, I, I there's better scenes than others, but like it would just take me out of it. I do wish I like their elements and I like their design. I just wish they would get a different FX house or pump some more uh, budget in time. Yeah, into uh, just marrying the those shots with the the photography. Yeah, so that lighting and and things like that look a little more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the dragons, I, I think, almost always look CG. Yeah. Just sometimes they look really good CG, and yep. sometimes they look more questionable CG. Mm-hmm. But there's never a moment where I feel like this looks like a real biological creature. No. Uh, on occasion, maybe when, like, Damon goes down in the darkness— and you just see the thing lit up by fire. But even then, it has a no, little bit it, of a... Yeah, it has that... plasticky feel Yeah, that feel plastic to sheen to it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay, so... But by the end, I, I, I'm i enjoying it more. It's like, it did the thing. Did the the thing, thing where it does enough to get me atta- hooked yeah. to continue watching. Yeah. So let me ask it this way then. Okay. I mean, your answer is going to be obvious, but I still want you to make your case. Are you more excited about Rings of Power Season 2 or House of the Dragon Season 2? Rings of two? Power. And give me your case. Because this is where I'm struggling. I'm not sure which one I'm looking forward to more. 
because at this moment. But I I feel like I've already expressed it in that like just that I am way more interested in the high fantasy of it. Like let's go all in, let's go into the different races, different creatures. Like I, I'm that's what I because I had said it before about Lord of the Ring or not Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. where I just like it was making me question if I even care about fantasy at all. Mm-hmm. Like, and then as soon as I watched the um, the Rings of Power, I was r- reminded of what I was missing is that I, okay, I want a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I want it to be like, let's just go into it and show it for what it is. Let's not step around and like, just play these, pol- like it's all political with these hints of fantasy, I would probably enjoy like the um, Game of Thrones and House of Dragon. I don't think you've ever said the title correctly. House of the Dragon. House of Dragon. House of the, the Dragons, Dragon. not House of Dragons, not House of Dragon. Dragon Show. I'm going to call it Dragon Show. Dragon Show. I'm good the with Dragon that. Show. I'm good with that. How if to it, Train a Dragon. I think I would probably... <laughs> Enjoy it maybe more or just equally if they just made it a medieval tale. Because mm-hmm. that's all it is when you strip it back. Yeah. It could just be these warring, warring fraction, uh, factions who in this medieval time. Yeah. And we, we you don't need the dragons. Yeah. Well, and Game of Thrones was like that too until the last couple of seasons where it was always uh, the fantasy elements were on the edges. And especially the first season and second season, you almost forgot it was a fantasy show yeah. until suddenly there was a baby dragon or a dragon egg or some witch from, you know, actually doing some weird shadow magic. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is a fantasy show. It becomes secondary. Yeah. So- Which never. I mean, there's not a second in Rings of Power where that thought would enter your mind. No. no. Yeah. Just like from the the color choices mm-hmm. to everything, it just feels heightened and this is not of our world. It's it's weird to me because the similarity of here are two shows, they're each going to be five seasons, they're each going to be airing at the same time each season. They both lead up to a series that already tells you what the end is. With Rings of Power, you already know Sauron's going to rise to power and uh, Isildur, after Elendil dies, is going to cut off the ring and thus begins, you know, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And House of the Dragon, you know, it's eventually going to get to this evil Targaryen king on the Iron Throne. Jamie stabs him in the back, sits on the throne. All of a sudden, Ned walks in and the Starks and the Lannisters hate each other ever since. Right. And so both shows, five seasons, both shows, you know exactly where it's going to end. I think... I'm more interested in how do we get to the evil king that Jamie stabs more than I'm interested in how did the rings come to be. Mm. But that said, I'm more interested in the journey of Rings of Power than I am of House of the Dragon. Yeah. Because I know in House of the Dragon, it's five seasons of Targaryens warring and essentially destroying their house from the inside. There's going to be lots of dragon fights until there's no more dragons. Mm -hmm. So that's a downward trajectory. Right. Whereas with Rings of Power, it is how is Sauron going to manipulate all these different races and trick all of these different races, but then how are all of these different races going to come together 
to fight back. Yeah. And so it's an upward trajectory towards a known ending. Well, and it goes back to what I said about like caring about the characters yeah. and like how I, there's not really that many in um, Dragon Show. That <laughs> <laughs> it's even funnier when you just say Dragon Show. Dragon Show yeah. that I care about, mm -hmm. but in, um, in Rings of Power, like I care about the, the journeys of all of them yeah. and well, where they're going to end up. And that's a good point too, because Rings of Power, I like, I couldn't count on two hands. It would take me more than 10 to count the number of characters I like mm -hmm. and that I enjoy seeing on screen. Whereas House of the Dragon, you're right. Um, you may like some characters more, but generally these are just all people that uh, don't warrant a lot of affection for me. And a lot of that comes from knowing Game of Thrones that any characters you have affection for probably aren't going to make it out. Like this, yeah. this finale of House of the Dragon, spoiler, Luke dies. Yeah. Man, from <laughs> the first scene that kid's in, my wife looked like, at me and she was just like, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I'm like, Luke is not long for this world. Yeah. Let's like spend from the beginning of this episode making you care about this yep. kid that they have not spent a single moment yep. with really yep. other than the eye gouging scene. Yep. Like make us care about him. Oh, like he's not staying around. No. No. But and as soon as as soon as they're like, send us mother, I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, no, nope, no, Luke's not coming back, lady. Don't you send Especially, Luke. Especially like the look on his face, like he's like, <laughs> he's not ready for this mission. <laughs> the Smallest only... dragon versus biggest dragon. Yeah. Nope. No, no, poor Luke. Yeah, and like the characters I do like, like uh, is Matt Smith, what's his name? Damon. 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 Like I just like watching Matt Smith be an evil character. Oh, yeah. But he's I, a despicable character. Yeah, like he's I don't like his character, yeah. but yeah. like I like Matt Smith and watching him be this like character at like complete opposite of like Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always like those like and also what's his name? The eye patch boy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You just describe them. I'll name them for oh, thank you. you. That's what I told no you problem. from the beginning. I don't know anyone's names. Don't, it's so funny because I, I had the same I just problem speak with Game of Thrones, I guess. I had the same problem with Game of Thrones. I didn't know anybody's yeah. name and I watched every single episode. I just as soon as some random like Lord Tully, I my brain instantly memorizes, oh. okay, that's them and I see them on the map and I know why they're important and Oh, I can't my brain I can't remember. I'm just bad with names in general. Um I like watching I like that character just mainly because the actor's face yeah. is a good yeah. evil guy character. Yeah. I don't like him in the show though. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I have a hard time. But in in um ring show. <laughs> Why don't we just call them rings and dragons? In, okay, thank rings you. Rings and dragons. Okay. That's all I need. There you go. Rings, rings and dragons. Rings of power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. We just simplified it to rings and dragons, and you're just like, cool, rings of power. You gave me time to think of the name. I like all the characters. Yeah. There we go. Ring show. Ring show. Okay, so Clint is ring show. I, I still, I love them both. I'm happy both exist. I, I mean, and I am enjoying both. I'm, I'm actually genuinely excited that both aired at the same time. 
because I got both ends of the the fantasy extreme that I wanted. And so I would usually watch Rings of Power after House of the Dragon. It was like it, it was a nice palate cleanser. Oh, I I was all, I was all the too excited for Rings of Power, so I would watch that and then I'd be gotcha. like I got to watch Dragon Show now. <laughs> Dragon. No, but I do. I I enjoy it. Okay, uh, it's just not my okay. like favorite thing. Well, and that brings us to She Hawk. She Hawk. We were both enjoying Hulk. Uh, she Hulk. You called it Hawk. Hawk. <laughs> Hulk. I had a, a Hawk is a different thing from a thank Hulk. you. It's been a long time. Uh, my friend Micah, once upon a time, just used to make fun of me mercilessly because I would say wolf instead yeah. of wolf. Yeah, And now I cannot say anything other than wolf and picture his face. And now you're giving me a complex about Hulk. So anyway. They're two separate things. We finished watching She-Hulk. And Hulk. Uh, we we had been enjoying it uh, clear up through, I think, the Daredevil episodes. And then the finale dropped. The internet, uh, some of the internet loved this show. Some of the internet hated this show leading up to the finale. Uh, episode eight or nine. Uh, the finale really surprised a lot of people. It surprised me. Clint, what did you think of the finale of She-Hulk, Hulk, and did it make <laughs> the whole series better, the same, or worse? Um, it made it the same for okay. me. Um, I think it heightened that aspect of the show with it being meta because that was it was peppered throughout, but th- yeah. then this episode went like full in on yeah. in that. But it also like leaves me with like, where does it go from there for follow-up seasons if they're doing yeah. more? Because it kind of, I don't know if it broke the show. It feels like it breaks It kind itself. of broke the show yeah. in a way. Like I, th- I admired that they did something weird and big like that. But at the same time, it's it just made me question where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And like, and then how does that fit into the context? Like, can she exist in other things? Because mm-hmm. this is a very singular thing. Well, there there is one line. I don't know if you caught it, but when they're when she's about to go back to her own show from yeah. Marvel Studios, there's a line that they are they're they're fixing or they're closing whatever the anomaly is that let her break through that far in the oh, fourth okay. wall. So I think they address that with a little bit of a, a joke uh, uh-huh. exposition there, but it was easy to miss. Um, I it, it cracked me up. Did you enjoy watching the MCU make fun of itself? Because they really, I was surprised how much they said out loud the things people had been criticizing the MCU uh-huh. for. And I, I kind of, I respected that. Um, you know, them pointing out the the large CG-laden yeah. finales and the tease of how long are the X-Men going to be. And <laughs> they really felt like they were poking fun at themselves and not just the easy targets, but they really, uh, you know, took a few things on the chin. Uh, yeah, and like having really to well. bring all the characters back into the finale yeah, moments yeah, of yeah. the show and make this fight that's probably unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. I I did enjoy like I I laughed at that stuff. Yeah. I thought it was fun, but um, it just made me want. Like I said, made me wonder yeah. how do you go from there, and 
how would it, yeah, how would it fall in line with, if like she showed up in another thing? Like she, like they make yeah. another daredevil show and then she's a character in that. Is she going to be winking at the camera and when she shows yeah. up or I don't know. Now it's interesting. Has the MCU done too good of a job of training you to think about how it all works together? Cause that's what I feel like. I feel like for 25 movies, before the series all started and before phase four started, the MCU has so trained our brains yeah. to figure out how it all fits together that now that they're starting to do things like a She-Hulk that can just be off on its own island. And if she shows up somewhere else, she's just suddenly serious and there is no fourth wall breaking. Right. And we just accept that. Um, has the MCU trained us too well to expect everything to fit together that then we have a harder time enjoying something that doesn't fit in as well. Well, I think that's their whole thing from the beginning, though. Yeah. Like, that's what they've based it all on, is that that this is a shared universe of things. So it's very difficult at this point to... I mean, they did it in this in this, this series. Yeah. I mean, they brought the Daredevil in, and you got the Hulk in there, and um, other characters are popping in, too, that, like... Uh, what's his name from... Um, from uh, Oh, Dr. Wong. Strange. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Strange. Like, so you're you're being trained in this too. So yeah. if they can come into her world, what makes you th not think that she can go into other things? Yeah. yeah. And what know. it's going to be, it's going to be a lot like the comics. The Daredevil writers, when they do that show, are yeah. going to write things in the style of yeah. and if that's what, what they want to do. And if that's and what he's they not probably going to be like this Daredevil. Yeah, and if that's what they just do, that's fine. It just made me question, like, yeah. if that's something that is so um, indicative of this character now that she'll be doing it when she shows up in other things. Or if they just ignore that part of it, that's fine, too. I mean, I think she was a strong enough character regardless of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I liked her her portrayal as, as, as the Hulk. Um, that it wouldn't be necessary. Yeah. For me, it's it's one of those, I just want to see, I want to see that there's more than She-Hulk that is in that corner of things that yeah. kind of can be independent but can also show up in a different way. Yeah. Uh, if that's the only show that does it, I think that'll be more distracting than if once we get further down the line... Like, oh, we've got our dramatic X-Men movies, but we've also got our Deadpool and we've got our, yeah. you know, where She-Hulk isn't this I exclusively meta creation. Or right. it doesn't always have to be meta, but like sometimes it can just be funny or sometimes it can just be a straight comedy show or – but be careful because maybe it will be Love and Thunder. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they're experimenting with all of that and they're they're having to learn how to get that on screen. Yeah. I, I do have hope that, especially based on how much they poked fun of themselves in this finale, I that gives me more hope for Thor 5. It yeah. gives me more hope for, I feel like they're a studio that is understanding of how fickle fans are and, and what the internet's saying and where they go too far. I feel like they're a studio that's always trying to improve things. Yeah, I, I was hoping in that, that they're, they're poking fun of themselves, that and those things that they brought up in that, that I keep saying that it's when, you know, when you like, like hone in that you've been saying a word a lot, you yes. just like always just clicks all of a sudden. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that 
they are going to learn a lesson from that and they're going yeah. to actually address it. It's not we're just going to make fun of it and continue down the line doing these things and it's like something we have to... Because now look. we poked a Yeah, it's like, look, we, it, we see so it too. Okay. We see it too, yeah. but like they don't address it and then they're trying to um, maybe learn from it in some way and yeah. maybe try to make things where there's not a unnecessary big bad fight at the end. And that's the thing. Is it unnecessary? Does it have to be big and flashy? Some movies, it's going to have to be big and flashy. Yeah. If I went to an Avengers film and for the last hour, there was nothing big and flashy right. with a whole bunch of characters, I'd be like, what the heck? Right. But I don't always need that. Well, that's my thing about like this series. My favorite episodes and moments were just her being the lawyer. Yeah. And I like that. Um, balancing act of she's this like behemoth of a like she can just be this she's the superhero balancing that with this normal job and um just like in dating and stuff and i thought that was a very interesting angle and i liked all those quiet moments and i actually really liked her um her like lawyer what were like the Par- the side character, side characters that she yeah, interacted yeah, within. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what their job title would be, but yeah. uh, like her par- paralegals, par- paralegals. The, that's the girl what I'm and the to guy. Say. Yes. They were so much fun. Yeah, the the guy he was on this show called The Other Two. Yeah, the, and yeah. I loved his character on that. She was he was like this, um, just kind of simple minded sweetheart mm-hmm. of a guy who like you looked at him as kind of a dummy, but then like he would have the most like yeah. sincere moments in the show that like, and he was kind of that in this show. And, oh, uh, when he has to infiltrate the men for men group. Yes. So fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's feeding him lines on his, his, uh, ear pod yeah, or whatever yeah. his AirPod. So like they did a great job of making these side characters yeah. delightful. And, uh, so I, I totally thought that, the the kind of meta moment at the end of this show doesn't really need this big thing yeah. was deserved because we had such like kind of just character moments throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Daredevil episode. It's got yeah. a great lawyer scene with him mm-hmm. versus her. Yeah. It's got this nutty, what was he called? Leapfrogger or whatever he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was funny. That's tied into it, but it also has some great superhero stuff mm-hmm. from him doing the hallway fight to her just smashing through. It's got this cute flirtatious mm-hmm. kind of thing between the two of them. I felt like that, especially for a half an hour episode, hit a lot of things all at once. Uh, and there was another episode with Mr. Miracle mm-hmm. or whatever where it would just leave Jen at times when she was off at the the lodge with Abomination yeah. having therapy and it would just go back to your side characters handling a weird case involving a superpowered individual. Uh-huh. And I love that episode and that balance. Yeah, yeah. And I I almost wish the whole series was just almost more of like an Ally McBeal or a, a The Practice or a, what was the one with Denny Crane? Uh, Boston, Boston Legal. Legal. Uh, where it was just like, give me 20 episodes, just half hour episodes of just weird lawyer stuff. I don't need a giant climactic fight. I don't need a lead up or a big bad. Just give me a weird case every week. I know. I like those where she's deal, like just specializing in the superhero. Yeah. Like, um, um, well, in little cases. Yeah. And, and, and it also expands yeah. it to not only are there your Avenger level people, 
But, oh, yeah, there's just all kinds of people who this guy just has rocket boots <laughs> and dresses <laughs> and like a and frog. Yeah, and he has a rich dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you would have if, – if we actually had superheroes, you'd have all kinds of people coming out of the woodworker or the woodwork as, you know, your influencer, superpowered individuals. And it would yeah. just be ridiculous. I was <sighs> – Kind of, I was glad where it ended up by the end, but also I was almost ready for disappointment with the abomination character. I mm -hmm. when they set up where he shows up at that man, yeah. like men for men, yeah. <laughs> like rally, like, like meeting thing. Um, I was like, oh man, like especially after that the episode where he has her at the compound yeah. and like they have that really sweet like the the, the circle meeting, yeah. And that 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 was kind of betrayed, but I also like like you know, I felt like that that at first, but I liked where it went where he was like, yeah, I do this just for money yeah. and like yeah. didn't really know what the meeting was for. He was just kind of showing up as this personality for yeah, money. That line where he's like, oh, I hear you guys are really self motivators. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I and like not realizing that his entire message is being used by this right. chauvinistic group to disempower women. Yeah. But they did a really good job of turning that yeah. back to be like true to the character of where he ended up in that show. Yeah. Um, so that was that was well yeah. done. I think the only thing I didn't like about that, I didn't like it at first either. I was like, really? An yeah. abomination twist. I know. Then I was with it. Then when he goes to jail, I know, and she had the power to rewrite it. It should have just been like he didn't realize it. He yes. was really on the path to. So you know, when she's in the room with Kevin, she fixes that, and he doesn't go to jail. Yeah, I almost felt like that was a they needed him back in the cell so Wong could get him because they're going to do something else yeah. with him. Yeah, and and that was the only time the series felt like it was. Oh, here's where we need to move a piece. Yeah. So that it's ready for the next time we're going to have Tim Roth. Mm -hmm. That was a little, and even that, like, so when Tim Roth shows up as the abomination elsewhere, is he just suddenly back to his dramatic evil character? Right. Or is he still the fun, namaste, uh, you know, motivational speaker? Yeah, I mean, him being with Wong makes me think that maybe he is more on the fun side. Or I hope so. Like that there, he's using it for good or just some other thing and completely yeah. i don't know if it's something you know i immediately thought oh i bet he's going to pop up on thunderbolts because they're doing a movie with that mm. which is is basically marvel's suicide squad oh okay and so i could definitely see him functioning in that mode in a movie like that uh -huh. where he's kind of a reformed villain yeah that yeah. one has like winter soldier and yelena and oh, okay uh probably baron zemo and a couple of other do they have a bomb like strapped to them no, I don't. I don't think it goes like that. I think it's more of a uh, U.S. agent. Hey, you, you guys are the ones that you didn't make it in the public eye, but you can still do some cool missions for the U.S. government. Oh, okay. That oh, surprise! The U.S. government's shady, and yeah, you have to make the the noble decision here. Mm -hmm. We all know where those movies go. Yeah. So okay, so Rings of Power, Clint loved. I loved House of the Dragon. Clint Med. I loved. I liked. And you liked. Yeah, more okay. than meh. I liked okay. it, but I can't, can't remember the names. <laughs> and then Dragon Hulk, Show. Dragon Show. <laughs> you sound like such a child. You don't sound old enough to watch House of the Dragon when you're calling Dragon Show. Uh, and then She-Hulk, uh, Clint and I both enjoyed. Yeah. I think we both have some reservations, but... Uh, I, for one, it was it was better than I thought it was going to be, and I had more fun with it. And, man, if you hated She-Hawk, really, just shut up. 
Like, stop watching it then. Yeah. I don't understand these people who hate watch something just to post their YouTube video. Like, if you don't like a show, just stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, we even do that podcasting. It's just we're not going to force ourselves to keep watching something if it's torture. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, we were I, already ready to give up Mandalorian after season one. Mm-hmm. We only barely made it to continue a Mandalorian minute. And there were times in season one, it's like, why are we doing this segment? Other than it's kind of fun to make fun of this show. <laughs> well, maybe, I guess, I mean, this, it doesn't, if you're doing that for this show, I feel like this show doesn't deserve just no. a making fun of thing. Yeah. But if you're doing it to like completely bash just because it's a, a woman, yeah. a, a based on a woman um, character, then that's just dirty. I and genuinely don't believe 80% of the people who bash it for that yeah. realize that that's who they are. Right. But it's really clearly why people hate this show. Yeah. It's just female comedy and bros don't like female comedy. Mm. And so that's fine. Turn it off because you're you're not a sexist until you start enacting on not liking that thing and putting it into action, suddenly you start to become a sexist, a right. raging sexist, because you're being a jerk about it. Just yeah. watch something else. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, good time with TV. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized we don't have a Cinetron spin on this episode because we did a Cinetron good spin time last with TV. episode. So good time with TV. <laughs> Let's spin the old TV. TV-a-ton. <laughs> Dragon show. Dragon show. Okay. Or ring show. Yeah. As always, you can find us at cinebabblecast.com or at cinebabble on Instagram. Send us some thoughts. Send us some feedback. I think we're going to do a feedback episode here pretty soon because I've got a pile of movie thoughts and uh, TV thoughts, especially on our TV opinions, which I really dig. It's a lot of people who uh, we've liked something and they're laying out their case for why we're wrong or <laughs> things we didn't like that people are laying out their case for why it was good. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of interested in, in reading that out and responding to that stuff because I'm not going to read anything that's stupid and ranty. But if you have like a measured, hey – you know, everybody can have their own opinion. Here's mine. Totally read that and talk about it. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, all of this is just a, a personal opinion. It's oh, yeah. not like we're right. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> there's this whole portion of the internet that just doesn't get that. Yeah. And they think like, you know, you got to go to civil war over what you thought of Daredevil's yellow and red costume. Like, really? Calm down, guys. It's yeah. It's, it's a choice. It's silly like, a live action cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, you got a guy who, uh, because he got splashed with some radioactive material, yeah, uh, his his hearing is super hearing, and he can see through his hearing. And another woman, because of a blood, yeah, she got uh, mix up. I, she turns into a giant green monster. I did really like. And you're upset. Somebody's wearing red and yellow. I did really like the like old school Hulk oh, intro. Man, yeah, that was good. even down to the casting some weird yeah. bodybuilder uh-huh. giant yeah. as the the live action. That She-Hulk. was really well that done. That was really funny. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the the very seventies deliver delivery of uh, um, the the different characters in that intro. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, especially Mark Ruffalo who <laughs> did a long pause. And then shot his head to the side. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. All right. Well, thanks as always for listening. We will be back uh, next week or sometime soon with episode 65 and a whole host of new movies and TV series to talk about. 
otherwise, uh, head for Thanksgiving. Find a turkey now because turkeys literally, this is a true story, they are supposed to be expensive and hard to find this year because of the bird flu. Oh, really? The birds had their own pandemic. Oh, my and it's goodness. it's trying to take away my Thanksgiving turkey. So get your turkey early, Clint, because I can't find it. I ain't eating no dang bird. They got the vaccine. Mm-mm. 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 It's going to spread the, <laughs> the, five, the 5G into the me. The microchips. <laughs> All right. Thanks, as always, for listening. You guys have a good one. Clint, enjoy your Halloween. See you again. <laughs>